0: The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters.
1: And good Friday morning, and welcome to another edition of Power Hour Edition of Analyze This here on your NPR station in the U.S. Virgin Islands, WTJ-XFM 93.1 with yours truly, uh, Neville James. I got a good friend Kyle Fleming in the studio. Good morning, Mr. Director. How are you? Good morning, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Well, Kyle, um, what is this, Uh Glenn, uh, let me uh, uh, get that out of the way. Uh, last thing to kind of AP, man. Man, I feel this (laughs) morning still kind of nippy too The the breeze The the breeze that go and come These last couple weeks I'm it to come Yesterday was a breezy (laughs) Yeah Even though The temperature Might not have gotten Long into the high 60s Like you probably thought It wouldn't Mm -hmm. Uh, When I got up this morning though, It was a cold Low 70s Because the breeze Well, I I can see the fact that you're wearing a beanie right now. Yeah, I I, I don't of the the beanie. (laughs) (laughs) Don't often see those down here. No, no, I enjoy wearing this. I went to uh, I went to the Breeders' Crown, harness racing championships, uh, up in uh, up in Toronto, uh, two October's back. And they were giving out beanies. I say, yeah, when I like, and, and I feel black. I mean, they could wear it or anything. You know what I mean? So, he there'll come a time. There'll come a time. Even in the islands, there'll come a yeah, time. Well, well, Rastafari, though, we'll be in, 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 <laughs> in, in the dead of the summer. Though, so so we good, you know. So we we got the weather service um, uh, on the line. Uh, good morning. Who am I speaking with? Hey, Carlos Anselmi. Good morning. Hey, How are Carlos
2: you Anselmi.
1: Como esta? Bien, usted. Good, good, good. It's cloudy and and showery up here and kind of breezy. What's the deal down there by you?
2: Yes, it's, it's, the, it's the same kind of more. I think we had more showers than yours, that your your area over there mm-hmm. uh, The thing is that the, that dissipate that dissipate uh, the front, the remnants of that front will continue to dissipate over the area. Uh, we are we are at at the mercy of it, basically. There is a low pressure in the Atlantic that is uh, drifting slowly into the at central atlantic and that's why our region will continue at the mercy of, of the humidity field of that front basically
1: how much longer we're we going to be at that mercy
2: so today is a transitioning day basically uh, that front will linger in the northeast in the northeast caribbean where we are located that's why uh, we expect that's uh, strong to, di- to slowly dissipate throughout the day. By this evening, we expect the activity to to diminish even more than uh, during the afternoon. Uh, however, the, the moisture field, if displaced over the area or the uh, land areas, may produce additional rainfall during the overnight hours, basically.
1: Okay, so um, we're going to be um, green. For at least the next couple of days, right mm-hmm.
2: uh, let, let, you know what uh, it's difficult for the for the virgin islands to to see to to forecast if all that activity will fall over the a region. Mm-hmm. I think that basically Tuesday, Wednesday, we need to keep an eye on the weather because by that time it, from the during the weekend I'm expecting a mixture of clouds. And sunshine period of sunshine, but not too much rain, rainfall activity. If we need to see how the the weather pattern evolve at month, Tuesday, and Wednesday, right. uh, upper level trough with a, a more robust frontal boundary will move by the region, and that may produce some beneficial rains for for you guys' weather, which are below normal.
1: But we've been getting we've been getting some some showers. Um, yes. a, a lot of heavy showers the last three or four days.
2: Yes, let me see not, not not I not guess. heavy
1: rain but showers, you know, that'll that, that'll keep us honest.
2: Basically, I I have here the rainfall amounts over the region and which are it's not too much, I will say, based on the because we are uh, we are below normal. Since last year, uh-huh. rainfall activity over there. So these are beneficial rains. You receive less than, than than half an inch in the past three days. You know, so we have some areas that observe uh, higher amounts. But it's as you said, this may help the the vegetation over there to get green later this 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 week. Let's see.
1: Okay. Oh. What about um? marine conditions for our boaters
2: and our beach course right now our hazardous the atlantic waters uh, the the waves over there are around six feet uh, in the near the islands here in saint, uh Caricou, saint john buy mm-hmm. uh, has in, this, in is located to the south of of cruise bay and over there we have uh a significant wave height around 1.5 feet, uh, which is calm. But the at- offshore Atlantic waters are dangerous right now. We have a, we have a small craft advisory for the 10 miles north of the of St. Thomas uh, because of, of of seas fluctuating between six and seven feet, and even uh, greater, up to eight feet in some occasions, some instances. Uh, and that pattern will continue uh, to, throughout the day into tomorrow. Uh, uh, also, we have a high risk of rip currents for the, for the northern uh, part of St. Thomas and St. John. Mm-hmm. And be, please, everyone bo- every over there, uh, be, con- uh, be vigilant of the rip currents because we don't have, want any loss during the weekend.
1: Carlos Anselmi, thank you very much. Enjoy the weekend. And uh I will talk with you guys next week.
2: Okay, see you. See you then. Okay, good. Okay.
1: Talk to you. That's uh Carlos Anselmi from the Water hello, service hello, hello. uh down there uh in uh in San Juan. I was just showing I was I was just showing uh uh Kyle the the buoy. The first time I uh, I pulled this up. Uh the one that he referenced um south of uh St. john Yo, it's amazing how they could uh hook up some sometimes a device to a buoy and and just <laughs> determine like like the telemetry in a formula one car you know they go, they, <laughs> they, they go figure things out uh, what going on there right now well I'll tell you that seeing that right there I, f- yeah. I figure every
3: boatman needs to have that position. yes that, that tells you whether or not the cross it's going to be <laughs> yeah, with that yeah, position that's yeah, right not, not in the middle but that's in a good when you know you get into the, the closer to that side that's mm-hmm. a good indication of how Rough the water, because sometimes you'll see it out here and you think it's calm, and then you get a little <laughs> bit of mile or two off there <laughs> and you realize that this was a completely Yo,
1: different situation. Wh- wh- what we see from a distance, not like what we're dealing with up close, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I was telling the, uh, the folks yesterday, uh, uh, St. Croix, uh, while it is south of St. Thomas and St. John, it's actually due south of St. John. St. Thomas is a little bit uh, northwest. Um, of St. Croix. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Yeah, the eastern part of St. John. Well actually the whole island of St. John is actually um from a parallel standpoint, I mean from a from a uh that would be a longitudinal standpoint. standpoint yeah. Right? Due north uh of the North Shore of we've, St. Croix. We, when we've actually
3: when we when we made the run to, to Saint John, it's been you leave Christian Stad Harbor and you just have the compass set at zero degrees. And you will land right there in Cruise Bay. Yes, sir. Amazing. So wow. You don't have to try to, you don't even need a GPS. Just keep that, keep that dial right there. Zero. On zero?
1: Zero. And wow. You're there. Yeah. Wow, that, that's cool.
3: So, how's our energy, energy office doing? Energy office is great. It's actually been a, a, a very a very busy start to uh, 2024, as we were, were expecting. Um, I think we had let, you know, last year had been, I think we talked about actually in the first episode, you know, 2023 was a, a lot of uh, a development and, and funding acquisition uh this year 2024 is really trying to mobilize a lot of those uh grants and resources that we've received uh into programs bring a lot of projects that have been underway uh to fruition you know one of the ones that we actually were were really really proud of and we'll be doing a little bit more communication and announcement of but we had the uh the microgrid over at complex which is a project we've been working on for quite some time i actually got energized um a couple weeks ago actually the day before the uh, the state of the territory actually we got that online and it's still going through kind of the you know, kinda of tweaking and everything like that, but producing solar, battery running, we we're able to see how this system can support the that critical facility at the department of education or the zincor well, educational complex um, and as we're
1: gearing up it i've been a 3 4 year process right 5 year process Good.
3: from Good. from from getting the funds to to getting it to fruition yeah i mean but going through procurement going through contracting going through um, you know the construction the construction actually was was quick when we started when we broke ground in april of i think last year when we broke ground and by October, the installation was complete. Then it was just the kind of, you know, final wiring and kind of system controls and those type of balance of system efforts. But no, it definitely took some time getting from from start to finish. I uh, think a lot of lessons learned along the way to expedite that process going forward, uh, especially because, you know, what we're really hoping to do is, is create more uh, commonplace trends relative to, you know, coupling renewable energy at critical infrastructure, looking at getting more of our, our government buildings, uh, critical facilities, um, you know, having a, a diverse set of energy sources uh, at, right on-site co-located. Uh, so this is really kind of the, the – the, we, we actually dubbed it a pilot project is actually what the the grant itself um, was titled, and that's really kind of how we're looking at this as uh, you know, a test case for how we can start to replicate this type of infrastructure, this type of strategy uh, across the territory. But that's also uh, because it's a shelter, isn't it? into the shelter so that's this this is specifically so really what we did is we looked at and just for the scale of it because you know it, it doesn't cover the entire um, the entire school this is really focused on the same areas that the you know the FEMA funded generator mm-hmm. supported um, which includes the cafeteria obviously which is you know under normal conditions it's, the cafeteria is necessary anyway mm-hmm. to be able to um, you know to support the function Uh, the bathrooms, and locker rooms, uh, as well as the gymnasium and the library. So those are the the four critical facilities within the facility um, that the the backup, like the generator and the battery support. But the solar offsets the the cost even on blue sky conditions. So that was one of the other benefits is that it's still able to reduce the actual cost of the operation on the day-to-day. But in the worst-case scenario, it has those facilities um, energized and supported. The low school already? The low school going to come with one? Uh, we're hoping every school comes with one, but the new the you mean uh, Arthur Richards? Arthur Richards, yeah. Yeah, so
0: they actually have
3: they have some uh, solar built into and, that and project. And the one and the two slated for St Thomas. Um, I would I would I'll, set, I'll go ahead and say yes because I I know it's become again the, the trend we're looking for is incorporating. I know that they have, for example, Arthur Richards. I know it has uh, a renewable aspect to it. I, I don't know exactly what the scope of it is. Like if it's going to cover the whole school, or if it's just to offset some cost. Um, but I know that there is renewable integration. I, I think you might have even seen earlier this week, um, FEMA actually or uh, I don't know FEMA, the, a report came out uh, that FEMA is going to uh, begin ensuring that renewable energy is coupled to facilities that they rebuild, not just exclusive to the Virgin Islands, obviously on a, on a, on a national scale. Um, but, you know, they're looking at, again, I think the case has always been to build back better. And obviously building back with, with incorporating renewable energy is clearly always going to be better than the incumbent, if that wasn't the case there originally. So um, I think we're going to start seeing that trend. Um, and we're hopeful to we're trying to be best equipped for that trend by already starting, uh, you know, kind of a pattern of these type of projects. So that way there's already, again, the, the learning curve is, is flattened when it comes to trying to roll these projects out at a faster rate and more, you know, more facilities, more infrastructure across the territory.
1: No, um, when you were here uh, last month, uh had a great conversation about different uh, uh, forms of uh, source energy and O-Tech was something that we spoke about. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Rumson was mm-hmm. good, uh, for, kind enough to call him. Um, <clears throat> there was actually a negotiation um, with um, with WAPA um, before you came back. When you come back home, I came back in 2016. That same year, then right? mm-hmm. that's why I got to ask a question. Of assuming, <laughs> right? Um, I read in an article here a company called OTE. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you're familiar with them. Right? I remember when it we went through the Senate. They yeah. we went through the Senate process. Yeah, yeah, of the Senate. And I had received an official order from the Public Service Commission approving... Uh, well, OTE had received a, uh, an official order from the Public Service Commission approving OTE's application to become a qualified facility. Mm-hmm. Right, So the company is thereby enabled to enter into direct power purchase agreement negotiations with WAPA and build an OTEC plant the island of St. Croix but let me remove the player explain how the process to work if a company say I could provide a certain type of power right how how does uh, what's the process for WAPA at that particular time if they like what Neville James company is offering how does that work? How does, how does the Water and Power Authority and the Public Service Commission do with that? Yeah, so actually, I
3: think you, you highlighted a, a key component to this, right? And actually, we had a conversation just this week uh, with the developer asking this, the same question. And uh, the reality is that it the, the Virgin Islands is interesting in that in that way um, because typically, you know, in most states, for example, perfect example, another island in the Caribbean, Saba. Saba just uh, released a tender, which is another word for you know RF, RFP solicitation. Yeah. Where they're seeking bidders for uh, a solar, wind, and battery system on the island of Cebu. Cebu is a small island, so you know it's going to be a small scale system. But they're looking for something pretty comprehensive. Mm-hmm. But they they kind of put out a solicitation, and now different developers from all across the world, based off of whatever criteria, can you know s- submit, propose, and then you know there'll be some successful bidder that wins and then moves forward. Here, uh, we haven't typically gone through that process relative to. Uh, engaging renewable partners, we utilize this qualified uh, facility process, which essentially it kind of does. It takes the inherently it kind of takes some of the, the competitive nature of the RFP process out of the mix, and it allows um, for a company to essentially go through the PSC process to you know establish their capabilities, mainly their financial capabilities, to actually fulfill the project. That's really what the PSC um, you know reviews, and once. The PSC approves them as a qualified facility, then that, as you stated before, opens the door for them to, you know, directly negotiate with WAPA. There's no guarantee, you know, becoming a qualified facility doesn't guarantee that you're going to get a power purchase agreement with the utility. Um, but it is the the first and a, you know critical step in being able to have the meaningful conversations to get to a point where a, a rate can be agreed upon. A technology mix can be agreed upon. Uh, you know, all structures of the contract can be agreed upon. And you know, a perfect example uh, last week. Um, you know, we, we the board uh, took uh, you know had a uh, met with the uh, VI Electron, who is uh, currently one of the developers who are uh, developing solar projects on the utility scale solar projects in the territory. Um, you know, they went through this process of becoming a qualified facility, which then you know started the, the wheels in motion in terms of negotiating with, with WAPA and ultimately resulted in uh, the execution of, I believe it was five uh, power purchase agreements across the territory. Um, but that was exactly the process that they took. Became a qualified facility first, begin the conversation with WAPA, get to a point where, you know, a rate that we are willing to accept because at the end of the day, if, when WAPA's buying power from you know, a third party that then still has to be at a rate that allows us to affordably, you know, resell that to the community. Right. Uh-huh. So that's really where a lot of the negotiations is, is making sure that economic it, feasibility is yeah, is what it's all about. It has though. to make sense. Right. It's yeah. a, it's, it, 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 it can sound great on paper, but if it doesn't
1: make sense you know, for us, then it's not going to make sense to the community either. Power hours in effect. We'll take a break. We've got Kyle Fleming, the uh, Virgin energy office director in the studio. We'll be back right after this.
2: the news gets more complex and changes through the day, you need more than just a quick headline check. Here and Now keeps you connected to your world between Morning Edition and All Things Considered, as the news and the people shaping it are changing in real time. I'm Robin Young. Follow along on Here and Now, NPR News, weekday afternoons.
0: From 2 to 4 on WTJX-FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. A new year deserves a fresh start. The Bank of St. Croix provides in-person service, personal and business checking accounts, online banking and mobile apps for banking on the go, a non-profit community investment checking account and a 24-hour banking cash management platform. There are two locations, one in Gallus Bay and one in Peters Rest. The Bank of St. Croix has something for everyone. Contact a customer service specialist for details regarding our nonprofit community investment checking account. Member FDIC.
1: back here. I analyze this. uh had power hour, oh, the first Friday of the month. Of course, you know, it is Friday, uh, February 2nd, 2024. It is a leap year. You know, so we got additional day this year. And for leap year babies like myself, you know what I'm saying, we we, we tend to take this personally. I actually had a, before we got to Acala, uh, I had a, uh, a colleague, Louis Haley, with a senator. He was actually born on, on February 29th. Oh, really? 1960, <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, yeah. So he's a leap year day. Yeah. B. You know what I'm saying so we good. Uh good morning, caller. Welcome to Analyzers.
4: Yes, good morning, Navelle. Good morning, Mr. Fleming. Hey. Good morning. Hey, long
1: time. Long time, long long time man. You've you, you been, uh, been she she been, been uh, occupying your time. You ain't got time to call your boy in man. Any time no more, man. No,
4: no. Your, uh, your schedule of mine is conflict. So <laughs> when I call you, I got to, like, change my whole uh, itinerary <laughs> okay. and get late. So, you know, I listen, but as only when I can.
1: I, I appreciate that. Happy New Year. Oh, but, of course, it, it kind of late now because it's the second day of February time flying.
4: I asked a guy yesterday who wished me Happy New Year. I said, when are we going to stop wishing e- each other Happy New Year? Is yeah. there an extermination date?
3: <laughs> if
1: if, 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 I, if I haven't indeed. seen you for the year, it's Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, yeah, that, that, that's that's pretty much it. If I ain't see you for 2024, <laughs> the first time I see you, I got to greet you as such. You know what I'm
4: saying? I, so. I, and I said to the guy, yeah, you wish me Happy New Year. Do you really mean it? He said, yeah. I said, well, <laughs> if you want me to have a Happy New Year, give me some money and I blood <laughs> in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, got a, I got a question for Mr. Fleming. I don't know if it's appropriate for your program, but I'm having a little concern, a little problem with uh, the, my WAPO's bill. Um, apparently, the meter stopped working. It's not been working for three months, and I don't know if you guys have meters, whether they're going to change it or not. But in reviewing my previous WAPO's bill, I noticed that from the month to start uh, estimating my bill, It doubled. And it's been doubled for the past two or three months. I went to the office determined tell me to give me a credit. I got a credit. But if I said no, so, so my question is, is there a method, an equation, and a system by which you guys just estimate the bill? I would think that you would take, if the meter stopped working, the previous six months, come up with an average, and be within that ballpark. But it's way over. And, you know what do you guys have meter in stock and what is the meta system equation for estimating someone's uh utility bill for the month and the other question is if it is estimated then on the bill they have a service period how can they inject numbers into that service period if the, the meter is blank question
3: yeah so I, I guess I'll start with the first the uh, so you you're, you're spot on relative to the estimates that are typically based off of prior usage um, what could there could be the scenario we've seen before for example if the meter hasn't been working for a significant period of time um, you know what you may have been seeing may not have been the, the accurate consumption and so the estimate is based off of the, the best um, you know assessment of the uh, most recent consumption so that is that is the practice in terms of uh, how the estimates are being done but overall the target the, really the, the goal is to move away from uh estimation completely it's not just a matter of new meters it's really a matter of uh, you know overhauling the uh the entire data collection system uh relative to our meters right i think we've talked about the ami system for for years uh now as as has been the case and i think we've uh, i think the community the utility the awareness of the um, you know voids and its you know accuracy across the territory uh, have created far more challenges um, than than solutions because it, it creates the frustrations. For example, that the you know, the caller has that, that the community has. Um, and at the end of the day, our goal is to be more accurate with the data that we collect, so that way we can build effectively. That's just the the nature of the business that we should be striving to to optimize. Uh, and so, you know, you, you ask about the meter, really, what we're looking at. Um, I can't say what how much meters are in inventory, and I do not have an answer for that. But I can say with confidence that um, really the the target is to uh, you know really look at a comprehensive overhaul of uh, the, the the data collection, the meter system, completely, um, to be able to provide more accurate. Uh, Data collection from all of our customers, so that way again we would limit the ambiguity, the confusion that you know you're expressing here today, um, and th- those are steps we're already taking, we're already going through. I think we talked about it during the last uh, board meeting last week uh, in terms of the progress being made um, on the on the request for proposal the RFP process for uh, that uh, AMI overhaul. Uh, so these are activities that are underway. Uh, they are timely. These are um, think about the the scale of the network here. Um, as far reaching where, where meters exist. So looking at what is going to entail to really comprehensively remove, replace, and, and build out a, a new network um, is certainly a significant undertaking. But uh, that is the goal, again, is to remove this ambiguity and confusion, having very clear, consistent, um, and accurate billing um, you know, reports for not just the utility but
1: also for the customer as well. Let, let me ask a question um, uh, on behalf of uh, customers, uh, like Mr. Martin and those who may have experienced this.
4: Tyrone Tyrone.
1: Tyrone. 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 <laughs> first name. Um, a billing cycle, let's let's let, let, let's break this down in lay people language so the public go understand a, a practical, a hypothetical scenario. A billing cycle typically runs from uh for person X from the fifteenth of the month until the fourteenth of the next month. Right? Yeah typically thirty days. Thirty days, right? so uh, let's uh, let's assume that uh, a meter breaks on the 29th right so that means we had 15 days of uh, operable uh, meter operating meter and then uh, then another 15 days of, of of the meter breaking right they got 15 days of data to work with right so that's a legitimate charge Based on what the meter told them, does the meter store that information? If, if the, the meter stores all information, so uh, as long as it's on, if it's if it's still yeah. on, like the data
3: remains yeah. on the meter. We've seen that even in. System, yeah. So the, the data certainly lives within the system. So, but it, it could be a different. It could be an issue of whether the screen is gone. If oh. to say the screen is no longer showing the numbers, but that oh. doesn't mean that the information isn't there. Uh-huh. Um, it, it could be that it's just not communicating. So the information, may the 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 the, the usage will live inside the meter, but maybe that meter is no longer communicating back to you know the control center, if uh-huh. you will, to then be able to you know accurate. But you can still physically potentially download that information. It may require a more invasive uh, process, but the data does exist.
1: Does WAPA Um, have the ability uh, uh, in-house to know when a meter is no longer functioning at a particular uh, commercial um, or, or residential property?
3: Um, there's certainly, there is certainly ways that they can identify, especially. Like the same
1: telemetry approach that yeah, we talking about.
3: Yeah. I, 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 you know, there's definitely a, a far better person to ask this question to, I, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I don't want to misinform, agree. but, uh-huh. um, you know, there is, there are, there are ways for them to remotely identify issues. Um, you know, whether it be, they try to look up, try to make, like, for example, if you're trying to had a, we had a situation this week where we we're trying to, um, get some past usage uh, for a meter and when when they try to query it to you know to look at it in real time You can identify that it's no longer providing real-time information So there's certainly ways that they can s- see that it, it, The question is if it does it get a, a notice or a flag every time a meter stops reporting I don't know if that's if that type of like reporting or response kind of functionality exists um, Again, But I'm not the I wouldn't be the, the subject matter expert on that to, to say that with confidence either way
1: No, um, I'm, I'm finally Shouldn't there be a policy of uh, at least for the first billing period when a meter breaks that we use in the average for the previous three or six months or whatever until we identify the problem instead of instead of coming up with an estimated bill that is twice the average amount like in the case of Tyrone thank um, you yeah thank to, you. i mean, I, mean I, I think that that, is, that a, is that's a policy i'm talking about No, yeah not, not, you know what i'm saying
3: and and that, that is that is typically that, that is typically what is done in terms of when the, you know the methodology around the, the estimation like i said it could have been, it, there are scenarios and i'm not saying this is the case for you know the customer itself but it could be the case that the meter hasn't been reading correctly for a while and and what and like even even though the customer was thinking that they were. Seeing the accurate reading, and then when they went to actually go and look, dive deeper to then establish the estimate, they realized that the cons- consumption had increased, and then that's what it's based upon. But again, with this is you know every situation is different. There's a lot of different variables that are, that exist relative to, um, you know, this this meter at you know AMI and our our kind of data collection system. Um, so it's it's hard to say. But to your point, the intent typically is for that uh, estimate to be based off of past consumption, which, which is logical, right? You would, you would want to estimate based off of something you know, um, you know, not not, not a dart throw. And so, um, but sometimes, again, people's, what, what sometimes people may not recognize is that if, again, there, there are a lot of different ways with the data collected. Like, I don't know specifically what happened in this case, um, but the, att- the attempt is to base estimates off of um, prior recorded consumption.
4: Uh, Navelle, yeah, can, can I say something now? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Okay, let me say this to Mr. Fleming. Uh, everybody know me. I can run my mouth, but I got to give that guy credit. That guy would put me to shame. He can sell the Eskimo refrigerator, <laughs> and I probably can sell the Eskimo the ice. But, but, the, but the concern here now, getting back, is I understand what you're saying. I would figure common sense if, you, if the, meter, the meter is blank, it's not saying anything, it's dead. Uh, I would figure that if you're going to estimate, take a look at the previous four months and come up with an average, and then you can walk off of that. Mm-hmm. But to, to double it, and then it did not only double it they, the month after the meter stopped working, it's been doubled to almost three quarters more for the past three months. So that I went into the lady, they said, okay, they're going to give you a credit. I got the bill for this month. And I got a bill for $28. But if I compute my average for the past four or five months and come up with the average and just subtract it against what they charged me for the three months, that $28 doesn't cut it. So I went to the office, and I, I would have—let oh, me make this short. Can they at least say, all right, we, we have a problem. It was estimated. It was way over. We owe you a credit. So we're going to give you a report indicating by month how much we charge you, how much it should have been based on the estimate, and how much credit you you should get for those three months, and then do whatever. But all I'm getting is a bill with no explanation as to why or how they come up with this $28, and it's completely way, way off what I compute to be... Based on my average, of credit that I should receive, and it's like you know you go to the office. Well, I'm not gonna go there. But you know this is some, this is the problem. And uh, what could I say? My God, I, what I gotta do? Sell the house to pay whopper?
1: Well, we got the we got the um, governing board uh, <laughs> chair, chairman who has um, heard uh, your situation and. Uh, I'm sure he's going to look into, we get some more details. Because Remember now, he said he himself can't be, isn't the one to speak to this, but as a board member and one yeah. establishing policy. So um, yes. when he gets back here again the next time, uh, we'll find out uh, what kind of inroads he's made to uh, address this policy and structure issue at WAPA, okay?
4: Yeah, yeah and I, I will call in, and either thank him and say, hey, look, man, you know, I'm still suffering here, my brother.
1: Can I borrow some money to put food on the table? And, okay, uh, guys. Yeah, man, thanks a lot, Tyrone. Appreciate right. that. Yeah. Well, you know
3: it, it's interesting because one one of the the one of the programs that we had launched out of the energy office this was early this is like twenty maybe around twenty twenty I think um we did it was the it was the real time energy monitoring program where we were giving uh, away free um, monitors so you know and for this exact call right where where people are like you know they're getting the bill it's it's varying you know the meter's not working it's being estimated. What we did is we actually put devices in people's homes that monitored their energy usage independent from what was being showed up on, on their WAPA Bill. This uh-huh. is this is actually monitoring everything that their home was using. So we would all we had to do was sign up people that we, we had a, a vendor that we would um, you know, dispatch to the home. They would put this system in, it would actually connect it to their Wi Fi. So they'd actually be able to look on their phone and see okay at this time you know this day this is how much energy i use at this minute this is how much energy i'm using and we we're trying to put the information in people's hands because at the end of the day this you know these type of conversations are difficult where it's like people are saying well my bill says this but i'm saying that where we wanted to be let's be more objective about this right like instead of just relying on one source of data collection we were adding another point of collecting data in those homes, so it's not just a, a even for people who are one. If they're disputing a bill in this scenario, they can go in there with information. And be like, look, this is actually what my house was using during that period. And we were like, those. That was a free program, completely free program, and it was surprising because we get this this type of calls we get often, but then you know the actual participation we had for this program, which again a free program, our target was just to be able to put more information in people's hands. Um, you know, the the uptick wasn't didn't align with the the level of frustration that is typically felt throughout the community. But we're hoping to do more of those type of – at the end of the day, my hope is that we can get to a point where, you know, people aren't relying on getting an assessment of their usage once a month when they get their bill. They should be seeing this on a regular basis. Uh You can't make this – you know, think about – you know, imagine if you were a a stock trader and you could only make a decision on a stock once per month when you get a report. That's not helpful. You, no. you need second-by-second second information. Real-time. And and that's yeah. what, you know, the, there's so many devices out there that do that. I mean, there's so much ways the data is being collected to make that type of visibility of information and decision-making information um, a lot more accessible. It also is really helpful for people who are, you know, a lot, obviously we know a lot of people are doing solar now, uh, residential solar. And the most helpful thing you can have is, a better understanding of how much energy you're using makes it a lot easier to design, you know, this, you know, an actual solar system. So that was a, another benefit that, uh, you know, a program like that offered. But again, we're, we're trying to get to a point where the inf- information is more available again. haven't, And I think we definitely want to get to a point where you're not relying on once a month, getting a sense of how much you're using. We, you know, there's way, there's so many more options that are available to the community to, um, you know, let that information be known in real time, and we're going to be working to keep programs like that and uh, you know, access like that available.
1: No, I, I I've been hearing this this solar talk really pick up. You know, since the, the energy crisis kicked in about twenty years ago. Um, at at what point does WAPA become um, a non-player, or or, or or I don't want to say obsolete, but if if the whole territory, you know. Had committed like like a Barbados person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to Sola. what happens to Wapa then? I mean,
3: if if we're if we're smart about it, there's there, like Wapa never never has to become obsolete if we yeah. because at the end of the day, you always need a backbone, and and so there's there's value to a backbone. There's value to resiliency, um, and so that's that's something that utility can kind of we definitely talk about it more on on the other side. But, the other side,
1: yeah, 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 yeah b- because. You know, if, if if a particular energy source is economically uh, more feasible to everyone, and everybody says, well, that guy in this route, because if you going to save me 50% and why pay now, you know, then we have to ask, well, what happens to the existing infrastructure and the workforce as well? So okay. uh, let's think about that over the break. Uh, Power Hour um, here on an on a overcast Friday uh, in early 2024. We'll be back right after this.
0: How do we know words? How do we accumulate words?
2: Writer Edna O'Brien.
4: Are they there in us before we know them?
2: She follows a quest many writers can understand.
4: As if these words were the generators of some kind
2: of magic. Authors, artists, sports news, and maybe even some magic. Every Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Saturdays
0: at 8 a.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1.
5: I'm Ayesha Roscoe, host of Weekend Edition Sunday, where we're not just interested in what's going on in the world, but why it's happening and how. Details are important, so are different points of view. We're dedicated to bringing you the stories behind the big events and the small ones, too. Join us every Sunday
4: morning for Weekend Edition from NPR News.
0: Weekend Edition, Sundays at 8 a.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands.
2: News happens all week, all around the world. If you want to understand what this French election is all about...
4: Four candidates are running unopposed, and three of them met reporters Thursday.
2: Whatever the outcome of today's elections, the secessionist genie is out of the bottle. News, analysis, perspective, music, books, and sports, too. Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Saturdays
0: at 8 a.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1.
1: analyze this uh, with, with the power hour. Yeah, yeah I'm here with uh, I'm sorry, by the way, I don't want to, you know, for those who may just be joining us late. And we're talking about uh, the question that I asked him, um, is if in fact um, WAPA customers chose to get off the grid and uh, go a different route as it relates to um, generating energy at that particular location, whether it be commercial or residential, what happens to WAPA if, in fact, WAPA is now the minority? I mean, no, let me put it. Um, if, yeah, 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 if WAPA is, is less than 50%, that's for the purpose of this conversation, um, they're a source provider for the Virgin Islands as it relates to residential and, and, and commercial entities. What happens at that particular point? The less, the less people are reliant on WAPA for energy, what?
3: Yeah, so I think I think the I think maybe the key kind of way to look at it is at the end of the day, an energy provider, right? Well, was it? an energy provider. Um, should never should never go obsolete based on the fact that energy isn't becoming obsolete. People are the appetite for energy is actually growing. Um, whether whether it be from, you know, we take the like last year for example, the growing. Um, You know, the growing, the higher temperatures here mean that there's more people putting in ACs. That's energy growing. You know, one of the things that we're constantly pushing and the globe is also, you know, adopting is, you know, electrified transportation. That's growing, whether it's not not here today, but that's going to continue to grow. Even looking at appliances, you're seeing more and more you know, you know, appliances that are, that were, you know, typically gas, you've seen people adopting on the electrified side, computing side, look at, you know, you look at everything that's happening on computers, everything that people are doing from, whether it be from, you know, people talk about like AI, people talk about, you know, data centers, all high energy usage type you know, going from residential to commercial, we're using more power. So by the nature of the demand growing, WAPA being an energy provider, like that, that, Structure should not go obsolete. The business model of today, I think, if if we only continue to look at it through the lens of what it's been, it will certainly be you know obsolete. But the reality is, we're not limited to that current business model. We're not limited to just being you know turbines and generators producing electrons and delivering them. Like there's way there's a lot of different ways that utilities are diversifying the services that they offer to meet the growing demand. And so I don't think it's an obsolete from a WAPA standpoint. I think it's we, if, if we don't change the way we look at doing business, 100% obsolescence is in our very, you know, our, our near future. But, you know, it's also so clear where the future is. It would be, I would say ridiculous (laughs) to become obsolete when we can see so clearly where the future is going. Um, you know, one of the examples that, you know, I, I constantly make to people is when you think about the people who are going solar now, I guarantee you 75 to 80% of them are and today, like that, that are, like in the last year that have gone solar, they're going solar through either financing or leasing of solar. So that means they're not going out and spending thirty, forty thousand $40,000 out of their bank account and buying a system. 80% of people aren't, they're going out there and financing it, which means they're taking a... $30, forty thousand dollar investment and they're paying for it over the next 10 to 15 years every month. Well what do you also pay every month? your utility bill so and you know you take it from that concept it's like okay from a utility we can look at it as do do we, do we continue to just try to sell electricity from our generator or realize that there's another product that people are willing to pay for on a monthly basis that we as an energy provider are strategically positioned to offer as well. I'll give you a, a utility example. Green Mountain Power in Vermont, Holy Cross Energy, Colorado. These are utilities that they offer the service of, of providing batteries to their customers. So they provide a battery to their customer, their customer pays them on a monthly basis to have access to this battery. They have the battery for resiliency, for use with their renewable energy systems. But now they're actually paying, like the utilities receiving compensation for, the battery that they've provided to their customer that they're now able to offer them on a low monthly cost. That's a that's a way that the utility is being involved in the same market that a lot of this you know installers here in the territory are currently you know exercising. But they're getting the installers are getting paid or the bank is getting paid. You know not the utility. That's a very simple transition that we can make. Um, it's something that you know we're looking at very you know very seriously right now because again there's. There's models that are already being demonstrated at other utilities across the you know, the nation where they're changing their business model of not just being let's produce power, let's sell power, let's look at again providing the service of energy in creative ways in the ways that the community already is demonstrating an appetite and a willingness to adopt.
1: We got caller line. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the Power Hour and Analyze This.
5: Good morning. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning, Mr. Fleming. Good morning, Mr. James. Good morning, Bye. My question has to do with uh, WAPA's policy, as it has to do with a deposit that's required to turn on electricity for a new business. I had to pay forty-two hundred dollars to have the property, the power turned on for a very small space at a new business in on St. Thomas, and the paperwork that came with the receipt basically said nothing about what the. Um, the deposit policy is or what needs to be done to get the policy back or what the amount that was required, what that was related to. And for a new business, that was a lot of money to try to get power turned on and power is needed for this business. And so I just wanted to ask where I can get information about the uh, deposit policy and learn more about it.
3: Yeah, I mean, we can, uh, we can certainly make, uh, tr- try to make that information more clearly available. And I believe it, if, it, if it doesn't exist on the website, we could always make sure that there is uh, some type of resource, some type of you know, detail of in terms of how it's calculated. It's, it's often based off of uh, you know, the potential load uh, of the building or of the site. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's what the actual cost relative to um, the, the, the initial tie-in or interconnect would be. Um, but there should be a kind of a detail of that. And if you have not been able to, uh, find that in, in your process thus far, um, I can, I can certainly really back to our customer service team to make sure that they're, uh, making the details and the methodology around that more readily
1: available. Mr. Kraft, the, the uh, yeah. how, how long your business been in effect?
5: Uh, since November.
1: And, and you, you gotten a, you've gotten a power bill since then?
5: Yeah, I've have
1: gotten several bills. Yeah. S- several and as is it is it anywhere in the neighborhood of $4200?
5: Nowhere near that. I was told that the $4200 was an estimate of two months, but it's nowhere near that.
1: Okay, then we then we got a then we got a problem. We got a problem. Yeah. And and I'm sure, you know, the uh Mr. Fleming going going to look into that. Clearly there's a criteria um and there's an estimate involved there, but you would think that if they're going to ask you the 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 one thing that uh they would they would want that that would be separate and apart from your monthly billing is some type of installation, right? Some type of connectivity yeah. from your business to the to the to the pole and and all that stuff. But aside from that, um, is the difference greater more than more than doubled? Yeah. Okay then. then yeah. The, I the, mean, yeah. Then we got a problem. Then Mister um, Fleming. The the
3: the thing could be though. I mean, so for example, like, what what what's involved? Like. You know, we can talk kind of anecdotally because it's hard to know exactly yeah, what yeah, it is. Yeah, but that's that's the, what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the, I mean, the, the other part of this could be looking at like, a, you know, I don't know if this is a, build, a business that was in operation that was then transitioned or this was, a, you know, a new construction or if there was infrastructure that need to be put in place, for example, like the actual, uh, if this is a commercial building, a business, you know, it could be, a you know, a three a phase power uh, connection, which is more typically more complicated than just a simple meter box. There is um, also sometimes has to be an, a, a dedicated uh, metering uh, equipment has to be put in place. If uh-huh. it's a three-phase, again, don't know what the situation is, don't yeah. know what this site is. Uh-huh. Um, it could be that also the scenario that if this was an existing building, the utilization from the prior customer is different than the utilization of the current customer the current business that's in there right but if we're basing it on what was done before mm-hmm. you know that you could be setting a precedent based off of you know the, again you, you, we don't know if the new tenant is now or the new business owner is now only using half of the facility a quarter of the facility um you know what we what we're basing it on is what this facility you know previously was um you know consuming and and clearly it has the potential to consume That type of you know energy in the future as well but you
1: you would hope that there be some type of true-up afterwards though okay that's a significant uh, initial payment for connectivity compared to mm -hmm. the monthly based on what mr. Kraft is is telling us
3: no I mean maybe that maybe there's a conversation there because again to maybe catch some of those you know new like the nuances Mm -hmm. in terms of like how you know an assumption based off of you know historical did you know? Again, not even saying that that's the case here. This could be a brand new Yeah, yeah Because we, we we, we're
1: we're speaking off the cuff here. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We, we need we need to point All out. Right. Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Kraft, Mr. Kraft, excellent question, and thanks for listening to the show, man. I appreciate that. Now
5: how do How do I follow up?
1: Um, what's the what's the number uh, uh, who who, who do you call it? Chanel? Yeah, yeah
3: This will be well it really be customer customer service, service. Would, would, have, would have to be the deal. But what I said, we we can certainly make sure that that information, if 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 that hasn't been provided, make sure that customer service is better is is. Equipped to provide uh, that information more readily. They got a telephone number for customer service.
5: Uh, I don't have it off the. Okay, let me. I, I I have it. I've talked with them, and that's where I didn't get good information before. But if they're going to change and have more information, then that's fine. I'll go right to them.
1: Um, well, you know, uh, I, I I you know I, this particular scenario is is important because for new businesses, right? You would want to have some type of clear. Uh, understanding of what you're paying for. The $4,200 didn't just come out of the sky. You follow what I'm saying? It had to be right. based on, on a number of different variables uh, uh, that, that you mentioned. Um, so uh, let, me, let me continue to look into this, and then hopefully uh, we, can, we can get together, Mr. Kraft, down the road, um, to see if we could provide some support as well. Okay? Okay.
5: Very good. Thank
1: you. We got it. Thank you very much. Um, let me ask this question I was just thinking about. Um, Kyle. If, you know, President Biden loves the Virgin Islands. If President Biden were to to say, you know something, I go in on to the Virgin Islands uh, on a regular basis, and um, I'm familiar with what Insular Possession is dealing with. Um, They're not on a grid. Um, We need to, to take care of Guam, American Samoa, CNMI, the Virgin Islands. Uh, that's a smaller interpolation possessions we're gonna deal with Puerto Rico because uh Puerto Rico has more than enough clout uh in Congress where they elected they, they got certain enclaves throughout America that they got representation unlike um these four insular possessions mm-hmm. uh and I want full diversification in all of the islands and I gonna make ten billion dollars available specifically for diversification. And and Mr. Biden and President Biden said, send me the energy office director. <laughs> and he's, he's and so I so I am I gonna be President Biden now. And I said, uh Director Fleming, how would we break down this ten billion dollars for diversification purposes? Because you know that I'm not big on fossil fuel. Mm-hmm. And and we got so many different alternative ways. How would we break down a ten billion dollar diversification? Uh, project for all of the uh the, the insular possessions in your case the Virgin Islands? man that's a... I, I wish I could ask that question more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how much billion for solar? Well so I would say so I I got oh, no, yeah. something I I I, I apologize I just love numbers so I wanna I went in on my road. I, to, I to do that. Um, what is viable as it relates to Alternative sources is solar viable, Mister Fleming?
3: So solar is viable. Yes.
1: Is is battery viable, Mister Fleming? Battery is essential. Is it essential. Okay. Is OTEC a potential? Um,
3: I I would say uh, no. I would say I would say that it is a an option to you know maybe incorporate and to add it to the mix, but
1: that's not something that we would be relying on. And and what other alternative sources should 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 I be looking at from the president's office to to you as an energy uh, expert? So the, the the two that I would look at the two additional and this would and these would be additional to
3: to, so, to battery so, so and so, solar um, solar and battery. Um, you know one one that I know would ring the uh, uh, President Biden's you know bell because it's something that they've uh, recently been pushing very aggressively and actually the uh, the IRS just came out with new guidance on. Um, green hydrogen. I think that's that's, green our, that's our green that's hydrogen. Our, yeah, that's okay. that's, a, that's really can, and that's something. I, that, and I got
1: do my research on that so that the next time you come out, we could break that down. Yeah, yeah, bro, yeah. D- dig into that. That's something that's I and mean, because
3: that that applies to all all insular territories because. Mm-hmm. It's based off of utilize. You know, we, we talk about OTEC. OTEC utilizing the ocean. Mm-hmm. You know, green hydrogen for us would also be a, a means of of leveraging this infinite resource that is, uh, you know, the surrounding body of water around okay, us. Good. Okay, good. Um, yeah. It's it's a different process. It's mm-hmm. one that has far more applications outside of just the the, the you know island nations, mm-hmm. which means that there's a lot of global technology development that then we can benefit from here. Mm-hmm. But that's 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 down the line. But that's something that the president's pushing. So I know that they would. Like that, and, and the real core of it is that you'd be essentially creating fuel through excess solar, which we know we have a, a lot of here as well. So it's kind of a combined. And what's the next one? Um, we definitely have an option for wind. Uh, I think wind is something that is you know a little bit more has some nuances to it here, but there's there is there are some sites across the territory that have proven to have um, you know available resources. It's not as abundant as solar, right? So you can't you know you can put solar just about anywhere and get you know significant production. When there, you know, it's got to be strategically located, but there are some sites uh, across the territory that that could be viable for as well. Too, I doubt, I doubt. Um, I, I'm gonna
1: excuse you, yet. I'm gonna need it for about five minutes yeah. into the next hour. Um, the power hour, uh, is in effect. Uh, we got, we're gonna wrap it up on the other side uh, of nine o'clock. Um, uh, we got Kyle Fleming from the Virgin Islands Energy Office here uh, in the studio, so we'll take a break, come back, do the programming notes uh, for tonight, and then uh, we'll talk with um. Mr. John Vassbinder and Susie Andrews for the STSA's Learn to Swim program Uh, in Iwanamatuba. We're going to wrap up this this great conversation um, with Mr. Kyle Fleming um, in the early parts of the second hour. We'll be back right after this.
0: The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters.
5: Human beings have been making music for tens of thousands of years. It brings us together. It has the power to communicate emotions and ideas. It's a profound part of the human experience. Hear the stories behind the music you love and new music you might fall in love with. I'm Reina Duras. Join me for in-depth interviews with artists who are continuing that musical history on World
0: Cafe. Weekdays at 10 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1.
3: The PBS NewsHour has a rich legacy of in-depth reporting and strong storytelling.
4: Only four people have sat in that chair before us. And the enormity of this moment is not lost on me. People turn to us because they know. They can hear from trusted sources of information and news.
3: That won't change a bit, even as the faces behind the desk change. Good evening.
0: I'm Jeff Bennett.
4: And I'm Amna Nawaz.
0: Weekdays at 7 p.m. on WTJX-TV Channel 12.